Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So we are risen to be able to hear and receive the, the word of, of God today. And, and today in my sermon, I'm going to be kind of addressing one of the questions that I hear more often, probably as a pastor than anything else, which is this, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? How do I know what God wants for me? How do I know wh- whether to do this or to do that? What is the right step to take? And we're going to get insight from scripture today. So our scripture today comes from the gospel of Mark chapter 8. Verses 22 through 26, let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They looked like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So, Lord, we do. We just pray for your truth, your clarity today, that we may see, hear, and be doers of your words of truth and life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So am I the only person in here who ever has accidentally turned down a one-way road and gone the wrong way? It feels like a few others of you have done that, just that little bit of panic that happens when you're probably in a place you haven't been to very often before, and all of a sudden um, you, you realize, I am going the wrong way. Uh, this summer we took a, a trip, we went to Chicago and on our way back we went to St. Louis and we, we spent a day in St. Louis and we went downtown St. Louis and uh, there was something that was going on while we were there and so I couldn't follow my GPS and all of a sudden I turned right down a street that um, I was not supposed to turn right down into. Thankfully, nobody was coming the other way, but there's still like this feeling of like embarrassment, uh, this feeling of, of just being anxious and uh, afraid. Um, oh, golly, it just, it just worried me. And that wasn't the first time I've accidentally gone the wrong way, right? Um, we, I hate that feeling of, of feeling lost um, and feeling like I don't know what to do or what is going on. But one of the things that I've realized is that while we hate to be lost, we hate even more to admit that we are lost, right? Um, you know, well, I know that there are sometimes uh, I have a grocery list when I'm at the, the grocery store and there's something that I am supposed to, to get while I'm there. Um, and, and I look for it and I can't find it. And so I go look in another place that maybe it's over here and I can't find it. And I know what I could do, which is to find an employee there and say, hey, where do I find the da-da-da? But I don't want to do that, right? I don't want to admit that I can't find something. So what do I do? I just tell my wife that they were sold out of whatever that was. 
There was a section right there. It was completely gone. That's why I think Lowe's, you know, um, if you go to Lowe's and you can look on their website or on the app and it'll tell you the exact section something is in and like the, I mean, exactly where it is. Because they know that when a guy goes to Lowe's, even though there's so many employees around Lowe's who say, hey, can I help you find something? We all know that the answer is no, I got it, right? And so we don't want to ask for help. We don't, even if we're lost, we don't want to admit that we are lost and we might need some help, which is why I love a GPS, right? It used to be back in the old days, right? You, somebody, you have to give directions to somebody, but now we just say, what's your address? And we trust that the GPS will take us where we need to go. Um, and, and it's really a lot more relaxing that way. And it also uh, resolves a little bit of the tension we sometimes feel because there are two different kinds of people that give directions. There are some people um, who give directions based on streets, mileage, and precise directions. You're going to turn left. You're going to head south. You're going to go 2.7 miles. And then you're going to turn right on this street, right? And there are some people who give directions that way. Other people give directions a totally different way. They give it based on landmarks. And so they don't know how far they've gone, but they know when you see that big, beautiful tree, it's two streets past that, right? Or you're looking for the house with the red roof and the green door, and that's where you need to go, right? So there's these different ways, but now we all just rely on our GPS that just tells us exactly where to go and how to get there. And we wish that we could have that same sort of GPS directions with life. That if there was just a voice that would say, turn right now, say this here, close your mouth right now, take this job, not that one. Go talk to this person. Go join this group. If we only had this voice that would tell us what to do, then we would listen to it, right? Or would we? Is there a voice that's telling us what to do and we're not hearing it, right? How do we know what to do? And life feels so busy. It feels so confusing. It can feel so chaotic. There's so much going on. It does feel like sometimes life is like what you and I experience going down the wrong way of the road, that we feel like we're not going the right way and that there is traffic that is coming at us and all we're doing is avoiding the cars and we can't get off the wrong road to get headed in the right direction. And this is really, to me, symptomatic of the bad place. It's a place where we feel lost. It's a place where we feel dazed and confused. It's this feeling that we don't know what to do and we don't know if we will ever know what to do. And we feel like we're just barely able to make it through the day before the next day comes and hits us even harder. And we're avoiding traffic, but we cannot follow the way of Jesus. Now, there's a book written by C.S. Lewis. He also wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote a lot of great books. But there's a book called The Screwtape Letters. And in this book, um, he takes on this persona of being an uncle, Screwtape, who's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, and they are both demons. And what he is trying to communicate to his younger nephew is how to tempt and prompt humans to miss God. What can they, how do, we, how do we get them to not follow the way of Jesus? How do we do this? And so it's this, it's this fascinating letter about the human condition and about the ways of the bad place. And I want to read just a little bit of one of Screwtape's letters to his nephew, Wormwood. We want him, we want people to be in the maximum uncertainty so that their mind will be filled with contradictory pictures of the future. 
every one of which arouses hope or fear. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against God. God wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. And isn't that what happens to us when we're faced with the decision? And here's what I imagine for most of you is that you are, are kind of wondering, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Or, or where am I supposed to go in life? What am I supposed to be doing? And one of the things that we often do think about is the anxiety and the suspense and the fear and the dread of not knowing. Our business, the enemy's business, the bad place business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. Oh, if you do this, then this happens. If you do this, then these people won't be your friends anymore. If you do this, then all of this bad stuff will happen. Instead of what is it that God is calling us to do? Who is God calling us to become? And what is the next faithful step that you and I are supposed to be taking? And this is really what um, happens is that when the kingdom of God comes, when the good place is present, we have clarity. We can know who we are and we can know what we are supposed to do. Another way to say it is in the good place, the blind can see. Now, in, our, in the, the Gospels, we have many, many scriptures of Jesus healing the blind. And I think this, one of the reasons is because that's what Jesus came to do, is he came to heal people and that people are healed from their blindness. And it's not just something that happens back then, it's something that happens today. I know of situations in which people who were going blind were healed. And so we continue to pray that that could and would happen. That's one reason why we're having a healing service is because we believe that God still heals today. And in the blind place, good things and life breaks out in powerful ways more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But also I believe that the, one of the reasons why Jesus healed blind people was because it's a great metaphor for life because there are times in which you and I, we feel blind and we don't know what to do. We're overwhelmed with confusion and chaos and cloudiness, and we don't know what to do. And we believe that we can go from not seeing to being able to see. And so Mark 8 is this great, great story of somebody that was being healed. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Mark 8 because we're going to be looking through um, the chapter. Um, you can pull it up on your phone, but you have to guarantee me you won't get on Facebook while you're looking at your Bible. So if you can't guarantee me that, then just stay up here, all right, and don't look at your phone. But here is uh, what I want us to do, because when we understand a story in its context, all right, it helps us to see what God is trying to do and what he's trying to teach us. So at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, there's the story of Jesus feeding 4,000 people. Now, um, there are actually two mass feedings of Jesus. One, he fed 5,000, and in this story in Mark chapter 8, he feeds 4,000 people. Now, right after that story wraps up, the Pharisees, now those were the religious leaders of their day, they came up to Jesus demanding that they show him a sign from heaven that he is who he says he is. I think it's about verse 10 or something like that. The Pharisees approach Jesus and they demand a sign from heaven so that they could see who Jesus really is. I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I would be tempted to be like, why don't you ask one of those 4,000 people who just ate, right? But, but just like we sometimes miss God's work among us, it seems like that they did as well. And so they demanded a sign, and Jesus wasn't going to give in to what they wanted. And instead, he got on his boat with his disciples to go to the other side of the sea. 
But there was a problem. Whoever was supposed to pack lunch forgot. Terrible things. Now, just to remind you, Jesus just said 4,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. But the disciples only brought one loaf of bread to the boat for about a five-hour journey. And they were panicked about this. You would be too, right? If somebody forgot the snacks and you're going to deal, be on, trapped on a boat with a bunch of hangry people, you'd be worried about this too. And so the, the disciples are kind of freaking out about, about what are we going to do because we only have one loaf of bread. Who gets to eat? Who doesn't get to eat? Do we, do we eat now or do we eat later? They're, they're panicking about this. And then in classic Jesus fashion, all right, he just brings something up and he says some stuff that just causes everybody to be confused. And so this is what he says in Mark 8, 15. He says, be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now, probably um, we are just like, what in the world does this mean? I'm not worried. I haven't been worried about the, the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. What does that mean? So a few things. One is yeast or leaven is what gives bread the ability to rise. It is what influences the bread to become something. And so when he says, watch out for the influence of the Pharisees and that of Herod, he's saying, watch out for those sorts of things. Now, it's interesting that he put the Pharisees and Herod side by side, because really these are two very different ways of thinking, values, and looking at the world. Now, Herod, and I'm going to be talking about this at my Holy Land class Wednesday at four o'clock, so if you want to learn more about King Herod, um, then, then you can come four o'clock in the parlor. I'd love to, to see you, because it's so important for us to understand the world that Jesus was in, because King Herod represented political power and strength. So be wary, be careful, watch out for the influence of political power and strength. And one of the things that I ha think that happens from my perspective is that throughout history, when Christians get it wrong, it's when they become so entangled with political power instead of the power of the gospel. And so he's warning them and he's warning us, be careful, watch out for the influence of political power, that of Herod, that that says that power comes from kingdoms and might. But he also says, watch out for the influence that comes from the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were all about religious legalism and literalism. You have to do these things. You have to do everything right in order to participate into the kingdom of God. And he's saying the, the Pharisees, and Jesus is very critical of the Pharisees throughout his time, that when your influence is trying to do all the little things right, you miss on the big things. And that's what the disciples were doing. A little thing is a piece of bread for 12 people when Jesus just fed 4,000. If you're worried about eating, you have the great feeder. That's, I guess, what could work. The great feeder with you. Jesus could do something, right? But we can become so worried about these little things that we miss out on the big things. So he's saying, watch out to be influenced by either one of these very different ways. Instead, can you see what I am doing in this world. But they're still like, but what about the bread, Jesus? What do we do? And so verse 17, it says, it says these, Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? 
Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? And then he goes on to say, remember I fed 5,000 and what was left? Remember that I fed 4,000 and what was left? These are big things. And you're still worried about the bread. Can't you see? You've not learned the lesson of the loaves because you're so worried. And sometimes this is how it is with life, right? We, God has done these big things in our lives and we sing about the goodness of God, but we miss out because we're worried about the loaf of bread or who was supposed to bring the snacks for the journey. You have eyes, can't you see? And so, of course, the very next scripture goes to a blind man. From figurative blindness to a literal circumstance with blindness. And there's so much in this little scripture that we can understand that helps us to move from confusion to clarity. To move from being lost and blind to being found and being able to see. And so we're going to dig in. This is 822. When they arrived on the other side of the lake at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And so do you notice the first thing that this tells us about how to move from confusion to clarity? It's about the people that you are around. Clarity begins with Christ-centered community. Are the people that you spend your time with and are intentional about, are they bringing you to Jesus? The blind man didn't get there by himself. He had people who brought him to Jesus. And that is what you and I, we need. Is we need to surround ourselves with people who will bring us into the presence of God. Who will help us to ask the question, what is God asking you to do in this situation? Not what do you want, not what do you think is best, but what is God asking you to do? We need this Christ-centered community in our life. You need it. Are you having people who are inviting you to sit around the table to sit in a small group and have a conversation about what God is doing? Do you have that community who will bring you to Jesus? And so can you imagine the scene? These people, they bring the blind man to Jesus in the center of the village. And then what we see in verse 23 is something quite interesting. It says, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, why did Jesus do this? Jesus was certainly fully capable of of healing this man in the village. But I think that this also helps us to understand the nature of God and how God works. Because oftentimes, clarity is possible when we are removed from distractions. He got out of the village and the commotion and the people saying, hey, Jesus, heal me. Hey, come over here. What's going on? There's, There's marketplace. There's people who are arguing. It's hard to hear the voice of God when it's drowned out by the world. And so one of my normal pieces of advice that I dispense and fail too often to actually do, when somebody says, how do I know what God is doing or what I'm supposed to do? I say, you need to go and be quiet with God. Find an hour or two to sit and be in the presence of God, to journal, to reflect, to pray, to get away from the noise and the distraction and to be still with God. Clarity is possible when we are removed from the distractions. I believe that God has been speaking to you, has been telling you what is best, but you may not be able to hear him because Netflix is still on, right? Because you haven't stilled your soul, you haven't been listening and providing space 
to be able to hear from God. You've been so busy going and going and going that that still small voice, which is speaking, is not able to break through. Story continues. Then spitting on the man's eyes. Now that's just gross, y'all. I'm not exactly sure like why Jesus did this. All right, obviously COVID wasn't around at the time, um, but that's just interesting. We'll just move on. All right, I don't know exactly why, um, but let's just go to the next part. He laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And was Jesus did not, did Jesus not have his full power? Like, why wasn't he, like, why wouldn't the person just get instantly healed? There's a lot of other times in which the blind just instantly see. Why not in this case? Was God mad at him for spitting at him? I don't know, right? But in, in verse 25, it says, Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Now, I think that one of the reasons why this was done is because oftentimes we want it to happen just like that. We want it to be instantaneous, that we know exactly what to do, that, that we have all sorts of clarity about that. But often, clarity is actually a process. Sometimes we get the gift of knowing exactly what to do. Sometimes we, we, we learn about exactly who we should be becoming, and, and it's very clear. But most of the time, clarity and the ability to see is a process. At first, we couldn't see it all, and then we can see roughly, and then we can see clearly. And this is the way that it goes. And so really, we need to be thinking more about the trajectory of what God is doing and not precisely what is it that I think God should do. Now, verse 26 says these words, Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. It's kind of a strange thing for, for Jesus to say in the midst of strange things for Jesus to say. But I think for us, as we try to understand what clarity is about, is that clarity is really about for Jesus' purpose. Is here, he has a purpose for the man to go back to his home and to not go by the village. Sometimes we need to know all the reasons why. And Jesus is like, just trust me to go the way that I tell you to go. Because I have something for you. And so as God is leading you, trust that it's for his purposes and go in the purposes of God. And so this it's how Jesus works in the process of clarity. It is a process for his purpose in a community that is centered on him when we're removed from distractions and can actually hear. So you all probably came in today wondering about something. How do I best raise my kid? Or what am I supposed to do about this job? Or how am I supposed to move forward? Or am I supposed to keep this relationship? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Um, and I think that we all, um, we all want a sign. We all are actually a lot more like the Pharisees who just say, just give me a clear sign from God. Just speak audibly. And there's every once in a while that happens. Every once in a while, people hear the voice of God. Every once in a while, there is something so clear that we cannot miss it. But most of the time, that's not going to happen. We do not get that sign from heaven. And what happens is, is while we're busy looking for the sign, God is actually already revealing to us the pattern. God, we are so busy looking for that, something that is so plain, when God has already been giving us hints and hints and hints all along the way, this pattern and this process of who we are becoming and what we are supposed to do. And one of the things that I think is so important is oftentimes we want to know exactly what we are supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? 
And so I remember when I was a, an associate pastor at a church up in Tulsa, I was talking to our, our senior pastor, and I asked him the question. I said, do you think that when God created Aaron Tiger that, that he planned and wanted me to be the associate pastor at First Methodist Church Tulsa at this particular time in history? Isn't that what we want to know? Am I doing it right? Am I exactly in the will of God? And what he said, he said these words. He said, Aaron, God cares more about who you become than what you do. So let me free some of you today. If you are at a decision between bad and bad or good and good, and you don't know what to do, and you're terrified that you will make the wrong decision, you can make the wrong decision, and God is not going to forsake you and leave you. He's going to shape you in the midst of that. So you can be wrong, and it still turn out right. Because our God is a God of redemption. You don't have to bat a thousand to be in the will of God. God's not going to be like, oh, you came to a fork in the road and you went left. Too bad. You're on your own now. That's not consistent with who God is. And again, it's more about who you become. Because if you go down this road, God is still going to shape and form you. Even if it's not exactly what you expected, even if it doesn't all work out and, and the roads aren't always clear. They don't always go the way that we think they would go. But God is with you no matter what. And he is more interested in who you become than what you do. He is shaping and forming you into being a loving, gracious person. Into being humble and kind. This is who he wants to form. More so than what we do, who we become. And so from my perspective as a pastor... What I've seen is that so often the way that God speaks to us is not, um, again, in these clear signs, it's actually more like connecting the dots. That you remember something that somebody told you years ago, that a friend says this, that this random Instagram post said this, that the song we sang on Sunday morning said this, that the Sunday school lesson was about this, and it's our job to connect the dots in the process of moving forward. And we have to understand that God speaks to us and understands that you and I are in a process of, uh, of discernment, of trying to figure out what to do. And whenever God is trying to speak to us, sometimes we're right on top of it and other times we're not. So let me give you a silly illustration about how you and I can make decisions. So um, sometime, it feels like it was about a year ago, um, we noticed that up in Yukon, there was this place called Hawaiian Brothers that they were building. All right, you all may have noticed this as well. It's kind of across from the Chick-fil-A. And so I was like, I never thought of Hawaiian brothers before. I never thought of Hawaiian fast casual food, not in my radar. But my first thing was like, hey, interesting, right? Like I became aware of something that I no longer, I wasn't aware of before. But then as I passed it again and again, um, we, we began to ponder it and wonder, huh, Hawaiian brothers, I wonder what they're about, right? I haven't made anything. They've started, um, they, they, they're about to open up. And so I, I ponder, hmm, I bet they've got some good food there. I wonder what it's like. And so, so that's kind of the next thing is that we kind of become, we kind of ponder stuff like, hmm, that's interesting. And then at some point in time, we say, okay, we're going to go to Hawaiian Brothers, right? They're open. All right, we drove by. There was a long line. Other people must like Hawaiian Brothers, right? That's, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm making the, at some point in time, we go. And so as a family, we said, one of these days, while we're out and about, and at dinner time, we're going to stop at Hawaiian Brothers. That we're going to say, okay, and we're going to value this decision. All right, but what happens? Do we, when we're out and about, do we stop at Hawaiian Brothers? Of course not. 
because we're in our routine and our habits, right? And so we go to Chick-fil-A instead because it's right there. Unless it's Sunday, obviously. But then one day we just say, yes, we're going. And so it's like dinner tonight, let's go to, and we reprioritize. Instead of Chick-fil-A, we're going to try Hawaiian Brothers, all right? And then if it's good, then we're like, yes, this is it. We are going to add Hawaiian Brothers to our regular routine of eating out. It always is going to be part of it. We own that decision, all right? This is the way you and I make decisions. Now, let me, let me take it back, and if we want to go back to our, our first slide, let me, let me talk about it from a spiritual perspective, because God is speaking to us, and he wants to shape and form us. So, um, a couple of years ago, I believed that God was speaking to me about needing to journal and be still. As I read every Christian author and pastor who I respect, they all say, silence, solitude, be with God, all the time. Do you know what my first response was? Like, eh, no. My handwriting is terrible. Oh. <laughs> you should try to read it sometime. It's pretty bad, all right? But thank you for the encouragement. That's what I need. So, um, so the first thing was like, eh, that's not for me, right? We just kind of keep it at an arm's distance. Like, we're like, no, 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 that, that's not what I want. And so we, we, keep it, we keep it there. So that was my initial response, all right? But then... But then I got to the next step where I began to ponder it again because it's like messaging of God. It's like, boom, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, right? It's over years, right? Sometimes it's quick, but oftentimes it's slow. So it's like, okay. So then uh, last summer we go to Seattle um, and we, we go around to their, to their marketplace and there's a guy selling homemade, like nice quality journals. So I, I say, okay, I'm going to value journaling. I'm going to spend some money to buy this homemade journal that's really nice because I'm going to do this, all right? So what happens? I get back from vacation and I put it on a shelf. Of course I do, right? Because my behavior hasn't changed. I'm, I'm still, I'm valuing it, but I don't do it yet. Then kind of over December, January, I, I begin to, to think, okay, I need to do it. So I get out my journal and I start to journal some and I begin to reprioritize my life a little bit. But it's not me at my habit. So what do I do? I buy another journal because I think I'm going to do this one day. Then I buy another one because it's specialized. And maybe it'll help me out this way, right? You do this. We all do this. Because I haven't gotten to the final part yet where it's like I'm going to own this. And it's always going to be a part of me. I'm still in that process. I'm still in that journey. But do you see the trajectory that God has been moving me on? Do you see what he's doing? And this is probably the same thing in your life. He's moving you in a trajectory. And if we can look back, we can see where we are. And then we have to be willing and ready to take the step of faith, to jump from valuing to saying yes and reprioritizing our life, to jump from reprioritizing our life to owning it and saying, this is always going to be a part of me. But it's really, really hard. There's this book that I've read called Emotionally Healthy Leadership, and there's this chart that I think about probably a couple times a week because I'm weird like that. And it's it's based, it looks like this, and you can see it here, is it has these five steps that we just talked about. Aware, ponder, value, and then it says that there's this action behavioral gap before we get to reprioritize and own. And so most of you are like me. We buy the journal, and it sits for a while. We value it. We want to do it. We want to do the next step of faith, but we're afraid. What happens if? What do we do in the case of? And so in these situations, 
we have this gap before we reprioritize it and own it. And God sort of nags us. He prompts us. He nudges us. And we're just standing at the edge of the cliff afraid to jump. What are we going to lose? What, what might we miss out on? What's going to be different? And so we stand there and we're afraid to do it. It actually can be in any of these steps. And so we have to be people who are willing to take the next step. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received, and I share it regularly, is this. If only the next step is clear, take it. You see, sometimes we want to know how the whole road and the whole journey goes. We want to be able to see the whole picture before we move forward. But life isn't like that, and God is not like that. If, we, if God showed us the whole picture of what to do, we would write it down, and we would do it ourselves without God. But God, the most important thing is for him to trust us. He wants us to trust him, to take that journey with him. And he is prompting us and he is moving us. And so today, if what you're wondering about, that question that has been bothering you, what am I supposed to do? If God is giving you a next step, then take it. Don't stand at the cliff. Don't buy the journal and put it on a shelf. Do something. Just write in the dang thing. Take the next step. Have the conversation. Be still. Reach out to somebody. Because I actually believe that God is working and that God is doing something. And so often, we know where God is leading. Uh, there was a lady I worked with at the church in Tulsa. Her name was Kelly Junk. And, and I was talking, she was a spiritual director, and we were talking about a variety of things. And she said, Aaron, you already know the answer. It's on the tip of your tongue. And so often that's the case. The heart knows, but we're just resistant. Our heart knows that that's what we're supposed to do, but we just can't say it out loud because it gets real. And if we would just spit it out, it would be great. It reminds me of an episode of The Office. And in this episode of, this, of The Office, Michael, who is the boss, he is dating this person who is unhealthy for him, and everybody knows it. And so somebody just said, what do you want to do? Just spit it out. And he says, I want to break up with her. And just spits it out, right? He already knew the answer. It was on the tip of his tongue. He just needed to say it and acknowledge it. And this is what we need to do. Is that you probably already know the answer that God is leading to. You just haven't said it out loud because you're afraid. You're afraid of what that might mean. You don't know exactly how it will work out. But you know what you need to do. You already know the answer. It's on the tip of your tongue. And God is at work in the midst of that. Because Jesus will sometimes use the darkness to bring us to the light. Isaiah 42, 16 says this, these words, I will, I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. Boy, we all want the familiar way, right? I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. We want to see the whole thing, but there's a scripture in Psalms that says, says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It doesn't say I'm going to make, you can see clearly now the rain is gone. You can see all obstacles in your way. That is not the promise of God. It's a good song, but it's not the gospel. The gospel is I will lead you to the next step and then the next step so that you can learn to trust in me. And so here the disciples have seen somebody to be healed. But they still haven't seen it for themselves. But yet Jesus gives them an opportunity back in Mark 8, right after the story of the healing 
of the blind person. He begins a conversation with them. He says, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. But then Jesus asks this question, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who, who has come to save and who has come to lead. You are the Lord, the one who is in charge. And this is really what it comes down to. What am I supposed to do? Is not a question that we answer for ourselves. It's a question that we ask to God and we surrender to him. You are the Lord, the one who leads us and who tells us what to do, and we follow him. And so what we are called to do is to say, Christ, I want to surrender to your will, your way. Sometimes that means a hard decision. And we don't always see the outcome and we can't see very far, but we have to trust that God is with us in the midst of it and that he's going to lead us through this path that feels to us, if we were to see it, might terrify us. So he just says, one step, come on, come on, come on. I'm already here. Just come on. And maybe one of the reasons why you and I are struggling about what to do next or what we're supposed to do is because we've been so concerned about the question about the loaf of bread that we miss out on the person who can multiply that loaf, who can walk on water, who can give sight to the blind, who came down from heaven to earth to be with us. So let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, upon his amazing grace to admit that we're lost and we don't always know and to follow him into this future that he has. So you can worry about the bread or you can turn your eyes on the one who has broken the bread so that you and I might have life and have it abundantly. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.